Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Darren Gross. Thanks for being on the show, Darren. Thank you, Whitney. Glad to be here. Yeah, I'm, I'm honored to have you on the show. Y'all have probably heard Darren's voice before, maybe heard him heard his podcast before, which I would highly encourage you to listen to. But a little more about him. He's a commercial real estate insurance broker providing risk management solutions and coverage and premium negotiations on all new and renewal business. He is also a real estate investor and has 25 plus years of experience in the property management, multifamily, single family rental and commercial insurance industry, specializing in real estate investors coverage needs. He's a host of Commercial Real Estate Pro Network Podcast, which is designed to be a resource for investors and professionals engaged in commercial real estate. So Darren, thank you again for your time and sharing with listeners and myself. Give us a little more about who you are, what your focus is, and let's dive in. Yeah, again, thanks for having me. And, and uh, again, I just want to acknowledge you've done uh, your program. Your daily program is, I, I don't know how you do it, but also just uh, as a uh, a veteran, and then also uh, as a parent of adoptee kids, you know, I'm adopted as well. And I totally appreciate that. Thank um, you, Aaron. About me, so I, I'm based here in Portland, Oregon, and insurance broker. And ever since I got started, uh, I, I've had the, the good fortune of, of working with real estate investors. Started off as just somebody that called in looking for insurance and steadily grew into something that you know, they kept buying properties. And you know, I got to, to learn along their journey. But also along the way, I, I uh, recognized the power of real estate, you know, started investing uh, myself, my wife and I, we invest and, and we have a small portfolio, but, but still just the, you know, identifying with, with what an investor is up against and, you know, the concerns they have. And uh, we try and approach it from that way. Okay. So, you know, your specialty is insurance, correct? Yep. No, that's that's it, and and I'd say the it, within insurance, real estate oriented insurance. Mm -hmm. So investors, yeah, and insurance is such a crucial part of of being successful, right? I mean, you got you got to have it, right? You got to have it. Yeah, I I think that if you're borrowing money, your lender is going to require it, and I think that most investors, it, it's it's not the first thought when you're thinking about a property. Usually, it, it has to do with the. Uh, you know, revenue, there's some sort of an expense metric, maybe on the back of a napkin, 50% uh, kind of thing, and, and then go to a letter of intent. And then, and then if I'm lucky, or if you're thinking about insurance, you might contact your broker right away. More likely, it's closer to the end of your due diligence, and you're, you're expecting flow or whoever you saw on TV can give you a quote in 15 minutes to give you a quote, uh, only to find out that that may not be the case especially if you're doing any kind of value add properties. But yeah, we, we try and work with not just multifamily, but also retail, warehouse, office, primarily commercial real estate investors. You know, when should we contact you? You know, I like having just a relationship. I mean, we're, we're consulting with, you know, insurance brokers really very early on. If we feel like it's a property we're going to pursue, we're talking to them about, a pro about the property before we have it under contract even just so we can 
be that much more accurate with our numbers. But when do you say we should contact you? Well, I would follow Whitney's model, uh, your example there, and and have a relationship with a broker. And if you've got something that looks attractive and you're running the numbers before you run a letter of intent or you know write a letter of intent, just have that conversation quick. You know, a couple things to to know the age of the property is usually kind of a starting point. You know, and then what what your plans are for the property if it's going to be a heavy lift or if it's more a matter of it's fully occupied and you're just going to continue to operate it. But those are just two things. And then I think probably the, the thing that people don't realize that I would, if they take nothing else away from this, is if you're buying an older property and you are in that letter of intent and you, you, you understand that you're going to need to know what the seller's experience has been with that property. So you want to get a loss history. And that's not something that they have at their ready. They usually have to go request it. And depending on the level of service their broker provides, their insurance broker provides, could be delayed. And that could delay you getting a, a competitive quote for your insurance. Is, mm. you know, because so, it's a surprise. If, if, you know, if God forbid there's, there was a horrible loss that nobody, oh yeah, I forgot about that, you know, and you've gone past your due diligence period and you didn't press that they had to give that to you or you didn't ask for it, could be a surprise. It could upset your numbers. Mm, so, we're, so we think we have, you know, one number in mind for insurance, and then we get much closer, say, to closing. And then we find out that the seller had some, some other history or had some claims, and that really uh, affects our, our numbers for insurance. It can. It can, depending on what it was and, and if it's been rectified. You know, if it's something that, you know, it was an electrical fire because they had some sort of a problem that has not been mitigated, you may find out you can't get insurance, you know, or at least something that would be affordable. But yeah, I think just just knowing the few things that you're going to need and pressing that and adding that to your your due diligence list can put you in a better position to, you know, to have actual numbers uh, so that you can hit your mark. One of the things that I hear and I read sometimes some of these Facebook groups and stuff is that people have this a number that they put in for underwriting per door. And I got to tell you, you're in Virginia. I'm here in Oregon. The weather, which is primarily the driver of insurance claims, is dramatically different across the U.S., okay? In Oregon, we have rain, okay? And it's not, not going to blow your roof off. It's, it's not going to you know, burn your house down. It's rain. If you've got a good roof, you're probably in good shape. If you go anywhere to like the Gulf states or, you know, the coast, where there's more uh, wind or even the Midwest where you have tornadoes, uh, hail, all of these different factors, they all affect the rate for insurance. So if you, if you listen to this and, and we threw out a number, a number I've heard is like $250 or $300 per door, you could be way off the mark, you know, either pro or con. I mean, for, you know, for out here, uh, you may totally miss the number because you, you put too big of a number in your expense. Whereas, you know, down in the Southeast, Along the Gulf Coast, you may lose your, you may find out like, oh my God, this stuff's expensive. So all I can say is start that process early and get the information and communicate with your insurance broker and, and uh, you know, get an actual number. I would think it, I mean, still goes back to that relationship. I know that, like if we were moving into a new market, that's one of the things we're going to do is contact our, our insurance broker and say, you know, these types of properties or maybe even give an example, what should we expect? What, how would you handle that or suggest? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, start with that relationship. And local is usually going to be your best option. You know, somebody that's familiar with the territory. I mean, they're, they're kind of the eyes and ears of the, of the insurance company. Having said that, we, we write in, I think it's like 43 of the 50 states. We have clients that have, you know, properties out and about and stuff. And, and the internet is the World Wide Web. So we do get opportunities and, and we just try and be focused and, and provide service to those, our customers. Nice. So we had mentioned a, a few minutes ago about, you know, getting this history and finding that there's been problems that could affect our, our rates for insurance. And maybe we, you know, if we didn't ask for that early enough, you know, it could be late in the due diligence uh, phase of buying this property and it, and it really turned our numbers, uh, you know, upside down. So what, are, you know, could that ever happen, say, after closing? You know, the, the insurance companies have written in their policy that there's a, and I can't remember if it's 60 days or 30 days, but there's a, if they bound coverage on something and then they go out and inspect it and find out it's absolutely not what they were told, you know, maybe the pictures were of the street, of the property across the street, just anything like that. It was thought to be this pristine property only to find out it's anything but the insurance company can send you a, a letter saying, Hey, we're off. You know, here's your notice, 10 day notice. Good luck. We're out of here kind of thing. So absolutely. And, you know, and even with that, like loss control, uh, they can go out. I mean, most companies anymore, uh, you've got the internet, you've got people on the ground, you've got people in the area that they can contact to go out and do an inspection. They're taking advantage of all those tools and they're getting out and inspecting properties right away so they can avoid staying on a risk, you know, waiting for the loss. They're exercising the contract to their benefit. So at the very least, you're going to get a list of inspection uh, loss control recommendations. You know, it could be that the, the railings are not appropriately, uh, or they're, they're too wide or they're lateral as opposed to vertical or, or trip and fall hazards or the fire uh, extinguishers aren't up to date or, you know, just on and on and on it goes. But, but the, the fact is that the insurance company in, in a sense, they are your partner in a sense is that they don't want to have a loss. If you recognize that's what their goal is, is not to have a loss and you work to, you know, keep them happy, more than likely your experience will be profitable and you may have to spend some money to update certain things or, or correct certain things. But in the end, it, it should be prevention measure uh, as opposed to attracting, you know, prospective loss. Is there anything else that you suggest that we collect from the seller, you know, just to get that information that we need or everything that we need as far as insurance is concerned? Yeah, I think just to kind of reiterate that the value add properties are probably the ones that I deal with most. I'm guessing the majority of properties you've dealt with or your listeners that are doing any kind of syndicating or dealing with as well. These properties tend to be older. They have some sort of need of, of capital improvement, maybe some deferred maintenance. And the insurance companies know that most of the systems and the systems being, uh, there's four basic systems. You've got your roof, electric, heating, and uh, your plumbing systems. They have a limited life expectancy. And so 30 years, most of the companies I deal with, and I think nationwide, most companies are looking at and saying, look, your roof needs to be replaced if it hasn't been. So when you're dealing with the seller, if you can find out these, the most recent date of these four systems that they've been updated or replaced, 
you'll be much further ahead. And then even have your inspector verify that, you know, whether it be at the electrical panel, uh, if they can see an installation date or a furnace, if, or, you know, if it's a furnace or a boiler. I mean, if it's, um, what am I trying to think of? Um, what's the heat, the electric? I can't even think what it is now. Just the, on the wall there plugs in, it's the electrical thing, and they, they flip the switch and it's on, off kind of thing. If it's that kind of thing, then it's, it's, it's not a big deal. But, but your electrical system is probably one of the ones that we're running into more issues here as of late. There are some panels out there that are known to be problematic. There's a Zinsco and a Federal Pacific. Used to be everybody was worried about knob and tube or, or fuses or aluminum wiring. Um, all of these can be problematic. But knowing those things before you make your offer and then ha- also having an idea of what it would cost to correct can really help you, you know, in, in position yourself in a position of strength, uh, both with a negotiation and also with no uh, unexpected uh, surprises. And also if there is a, a period of, or, or an insurance company is, will not accept the property in its current condition, but you have bids to correct it and you have a, a contract with a provider to correct it right away, you might be able to negotiate coverage with the understanding that these are going to be corrected right away. Does that make sense? It does. Yes. And, you know, you mentioned like uh, the electrical panels or like with the, uh, the electrical systems are you're having problems with those right now uh, or you're noticing more problems or I guess, you know, as, as these properties are aging, you know, that cycle of properties anyway for value add, you know, what, what are some other problems that you're seeing that, that maybe we should, you know, pay closer attention to? Well, I, I think a couple of things that I, I would encourage everybody to to consider is more of an operational thing that, that um, you know, um, and I'll, I'll let me point to where this is coming from. I think we're finally to a point where insurance companies are able to quantify and use all of the data they've collected, you know, for years and years. For years and years, we've been inputting this data into the computer. Nobody has really understood what we're inputting or why. But I think now there's just so much data that you've got data scientists that are looking at and saying, hey, look, this is a problem and we can correlate it to this. Two things that I'm seeing where you can probably save yourself some money is if you are taking over property that allows smoking and you instill a no smoking policy, you'd be surprised. I think a lot of insurance companies, if they know that, they may provide you a no smoking discount, okay, provided it's in your lease and that you enforce it. Uh, if, you're, if you're a landlord that believes like, well, our tenants, that's just kind of who they are and we don't want to chase them off, then you know, that's, that's your choice. But just know that that's, that is something on a, you're probably going to attract a higher caliber uh, tenant if you enforce these uh, simple things. So non-smoking for one. Uh, the other thing is uh, renter's insurance, requiring renter's insurance from your tenants. This provides a, a means for you, should your tenant cause a, a fire or a claim to collect rather than having to go against your own insurance policy to you know, fix the problem, the fire. I've got one client here locally that for years just resisted and, and said, oh, I'm not, you know, blah, blah. Finally, they elected to require renter's insurance. And I guess it's been a couple of months ago, I was out visiting with him and he goes, you know what? We've had three kitchen fires this year. And I said, you've had three kitchen. He said, I haven't had to call you once, you know, because each time the insurance took care of it. Uh, he's got a larger portfolio, but still it was kind of unique because what an insurance company looks at when they're trying to price your business, you know, your renewal is they're looking at frequency 
of loss and the severity loss are typically the two you know, things that they look at as far as pricing a, a risk. So if he had had to have claimed those three kitchen fires, his premiums would have gone much higher, wouldn't they? Yeah, I, I don't know the extent of the, the – he runs with a pretty high deductible, so he might have been eating those himself. But still, I mean, that's that's money from the bottom line, whether it be in deductible or higher premium, right? And if you can transfer that risk to your, your tenant, who's the cause of the problem, all the more better, right? Yes. So, you know, Darren, I guess changing tracks here a little bit, but, you know, as far as the, the listener – you know, or, or even myself, when we're looking for that that new insurance broker, I thought maybe you could provide a few questions that maybe people forget to ask when they're selecting that that team member. You know, that's going to provide the insurance. Some things that that maybe we wouldn't even know that we need to ask. Well, you know, I, I think a experience is probably your first and foremost. I mean, what's their level of experience working with investors? I didn't know what syndication was. Uh, only to find out that I've been working with the syndicators for years. I, you know, it was, I didn't, didn't really understand how real estate was purchased. You know, I knew who I was working with, but I didn't know how they structured the deal. But anyway, I would say experience with insuring properties would be uh, primary. And then I think also access to markets, you know, especially if you're dealing with value add properties, it's one thing to have a brand new property or a newer property that, you know, has, new systems is all up to code and needs no value add capital improvement kind of thing. Those are pretty vanilla and most every company available would be, you know, pick me, pick me kind of thing. But if you get in an older property that's in need of, of uh, some capital improvements, your list can shorten. And so if you're with somebody that doesn't have access to, you know, viable companies that can, can limit your, you know, ability to work with that person uh, just based on their ability to place coverage. How negotiable is that quote that we get? Well, I mean, insurance is a, it's a guess. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, they, the insurance company, they, they've got a floor, the lowest price they'll write. Uh, the first price they might offer you might be a little more hoping that, that you don't have any lower number kind of thing. But, but having said that, you know, it, it's no different than you when you go out and make an offer on a property, right? You've got your maximum that you're willing to pay, but you're probably not going to start with that number. You're going to start with a number where you can hopefully give you a little bit of room if you need to sweeten the pot, right? And so similar, there is that piece to it. But I, I think though, the more experience you have and the more of a relationship you have and the more you have to insure is going to be more of your your leverage. If you have just a one property and it's a smaller property, you're not going to, you, you don't have a lot of leverage, Right. But if you've got a portfolio of a couple thousand units and you've got a perfect uh, loss history and you're known to be acquiring more properties and uh, you are in the driver's seat at that point, more so than the guy with one property, okay? Some people say, you better sharpen your pencil. I'm just like, I never come to the, the deal with trying to hide a little bit because I figure like, look, I'm trying to win, period. J- just to go out and do this for exercise doesn't pay. You know, you try and... I try and win on everything. So we go to multiple companies every time and, and we try and present a, a comparison between the companies we went to and break it down on, you know, line by line coverage. So you can see, you know, where one company is stronger than another. Just a couple of quick things here. Loss of rents is something that I don't think it's 
is totally understood. You know, it's usually, I think most companies give you like 12 months loss of rents, but on the labor market you're in and, you know, demand, uh, I've seen it here locally take uh, as much as 18 to 24 months to get your property put back together, depending on the size of the, of the loss. So that's something to, to consider. But I would say, again, just to, to answer your question, experience and markets could okay. be the primary thing there. A few more questions before we run out of time, Darren. And uh, you as an investor as well, you know, how are you preparing or prepared for this potential downturn that everyone's talking about? Let, let me answer that based on uh, insurance, just with uh, a hard market. Insurance is cyclical, just like real estate. And if you take note of a lot of the um, environmental or climate-related claims, whether it be floods or you know, significant storms and stuff, uh, insurance companies are believers in global warming or climate change or whatever you want to call it because they're paying the claims, right? And what most people don't understand is that the insurance policy you buy uh, from the insurance company, they buy insurance on that. So if you've got a million-dollar building, they're probably in-house taking the first hundred or $200,000 worth of risk. And then they go buy the the balance of that from another insurance company, which is called reinsurance. Well, most often, those reinsurance companies are fairly protected from the loss. But when that loss goes to a million, the, the reinsurance company is paying. And if they get hit a lot, with they, like they do with these you know, fires and floods and, and uh, you know, whatnot, uh, we're starting to see a, a market hardening. And so what I would encourage everybody to do is kind of like what we've been talking about is start early talking with your insurance broker. And be aware of what you have and communicate with them and ask them, what do they need to get you the best quote? If they need a form, fill it out, get it back to them. They ask, you get the answers. And then also understand what your coverage is to where if there's something you're willing to do without, or if there's a higher deductible that you, you know, might be willing to take on to, to contain your cost. Darren, what's the number one thing that's contributed to your success? Probably experience is just doing it more and more. I mean, I've had the, the good fortune to have, um, you know, customers that, that are acquiring properties and learning the difference between the coverages and being able to, uh, you know, provide them different options and just continue to, I would say just practice, you know, that's, <laughs> you know, that's, that's probably it right there. And tell us how you like to give back. I do like doing the, the podcast. I think so often uh, people think that you're doing something to to make a sale or something like that. You know, the reality is at the end of the day, if I can help you save something or, or, you know, make a better decision, that's a win for me. I love talking with investors and that's probably it. Darren, tell people how they can get in touch with you and learn more about your podcast. Yeah. So my podcast is called, like you said, Commercial Real Estate Pro Network. And the weekly podcast, we uh, interview um, investors and professionals and talk about you know, how to grow your real estate portfolio, asset management, and uh, risk management. So that, and there's, you can also go to my website. It's the letter J, Darren, D-A-R-R-I-N, gross, G-R-O-S-S, dot com. Don't go yet. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I would love it if you would go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. I want to hear your feedback. It makes a big difference in getting the podcast out there. You can also go to the Real Estate Syndication Show on Facebook so you can connect with me and we can also receive feedback and your questions there that you want me to answer on the show. Subscribe too so you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, I want to keep you updated. 
So head over to lifebridgecapital.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with me, sign up on the contact us page so you can talk to me directly. Have a blessed day and I will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.